welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Hi, Lucy. Hello. So, do you want, for anybody that doesn't know who you are, do you want to introduce yourself and let us know about your blogging journey? Yes. Um, my name is Julia. I'm Italian. I'm based in London since 11 years. And um, I work as a food and travel writer for uh, my blog, uh, which is called mondomulia.com. And I also work as a food photographer, as an Instagrammer, and yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, you've got a lot of strings to your bow. What came first, Instagram or the blog? The blog, but only by maybe a week oh, okay. <laughs> or by so a few days. Yeah. yeah, but the idea, the, the the initial idea was to have a blog. And uh, six years ago, when I opened my blog, not many food bloggers even had Instagram because at the time it was only available on iPhone. Mm -hmm. Not not everyone had a smartphone even back then. And I remember going after after a few months after starting my blog. I remember going to events and meeting other food bloggers. Even one or two years later, and I was one of the few who had an Instagram account. I even remember bloggers saying, I don't have time for an Instagram account. Oh my God. <laughs> Who cares about pictures? I'm a writer or something no, like that. Really? Yeah. I, there were bloggers who were so focused on the writing yeah. because they were either doing restaurant reviews, but like almost like a food critic, mm -hmm. uh, really well-written reviews and or recipes. So there, yeah. there are these two sort of uh, types of food blogs and um, either way they they had that their strengths was was the writing mm. and their food knowledge so it wasn't really about the pictures and I think that was the winning element for me because I started my blog because of my photography yeah. because I always enjoyed taking photos but I didn't know what to do with them yeah. and I needed something to push me just to have a reason to go out and photograph mm -hmm. or set up a recipe at home and style it and photograph it um even though to be honest back then I wasn't really even styling it was just <laughs> cooking something putting on a Ikea plate and, and taking <laughs> a photo but I was I had a, a radio like a good camera back then because I was photographing with a with a DSLR okay and because I had these equipment that most blog bloggers didn't have back then, yeah. I think um, it made it made my blog stood up from the beginning. Yeah. And then um, yeah, and then it went up went up for from there, and then Instagram became what it is today, or maybe yeah. what it was before the, the algorithm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Instagram became what it's not anymore. Yeah. Um, so I started working as an Instagrammer as well. Cool, that's exciting. And now you do some freelance stuff where you are just doing food styling photography, don't you? Yes, so I work uh, full-time on my blog mm -hmm. and on different projects with food and travel brands. Mm -hmm. And as part of these projects, I sometimes develop recipes take um and for in that case i would do all my styling and the photography 
And other times I take photos for a client and it could be at an event or a, or a restaurant. And other times I do travel photography. So I could be working with a tourist destination, a tourist board or mm -hmm. a hotel brand and um, taking photos as on assignment in a destination around the world. And because of the work I do as a freelance photographer um, and the experience I've got taking pictures in my home and styling my own recipes um, in my home studio, I've also started in the last year to teach photography workshops, which I love. <laughs> I've uh, when I was when I was a uh, younger, I always wanted to be a teacher. Really? Yeah, until I realized that actually students are <laughs> really annoying, and I yes. I just don't have the patience <laughs> uh, to like teach in a school every yeah. day. Children um, are annoying. But workshops every now and then, yeah. I, I can do that. I for me even. The whole point of having a blog is to share my knowledge, mm -hmm. whether it's a good restaurant or a great recipes or a great hotel and tourist destination that I've been to. I want to share them, and that's why I have the blog. And if I can then share my skill on styling and, and food photography to other people and do that in person at a workshop, that's great. Mm -hmm. I I really enjoyed that, and you get also the direct feedback yeah, from yeah. people, uh, which is something I miss from writing an mm. online platform. And funny enough, actually, we were just saying offline before we started recording how um, blogging can sometimes be a little bit thankless. But when someone comments or direct message you, even on Twitter or Instagram or whatever, um, and says they like your work or they really appreciate something that you've shared. It's like the best feeling. It really is. Even though there's no monetary reward behind it, I feel like that's one of the reasons why we all do what we do. A big reason. Yeah. So I can understand why it's a, that. It's a big reason beyond being paid, beyond yeah. um, the free, free stuff, the free food, the free travel, yeah. in my case. Um, getting a nice comment from someone you work with or from a brand or from a reader yeah it's just it what it's what keeps you going because mm. it's you could use the number of followers and the number of views as a measure of your success but it's not really it's not really something you can rely on because mm. In a blog, views could be all down to good SEO, and Instagram followers could all be down to you know someone featured you, and then suddenly you get all these new followers. But it's it's not really a measure of, of your success or, or a measure of you doing a great job and mm. touching people with your with your words or engaging people in in your life. Yeah, it's meaningless, essentially, isn't it? Basically, it's yes. An ego. <laughs> it serves it's your an ego. ego boost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is um, fine. We all need a little ego boost now and again. But yeah, yeah. I've I'm I'm so fed up with <laughs> all the just just look being obsessed with looking at numbers. Mm. It's it's dangerous because you've just focus on that, and when actually it doesn't it doesn't mean anything, especially on. Instagram where you can have 
hundred thousands of followers and get a few hundred likes or you can have a few thousand followers and get a few thousand likes mm. it, it, it's just having a lot of followers doesn't mean anything yeah. it's all about it's not even about how many likes you get on a picture it's about what maybe the comments like do people just like your photo because it fits their aesthetic and mm. they are not even consciously double tapping to like your photo or are they actually stopping a few seconds to look at the photo before you know scrolling to the next on their Instagram feed and truly engagement with your engaging with your caption with your photo because yeah. otherwise it's just that's a really good distinction to make as well because I have a really small following but even from my small following I managed to get bless you um Sometimes I manage to get really uh, authentic. I hate overusing that word, authentic. You know what I mean? Like people will actually yeah. respond to my caption with actual words, not like two emojis or good one. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Yeah, <laughs> keep it up. Um, so yeah, that's a really important distinction to make. But at the same time, I found myself still. Oh. Um, still quite obsessed with the likes I find it quite hard to stop myself from being obsessed with the likes but it's really hard not to but mm. but at the same time I know because I know what kind of content is going to get more likes and I know that if I'm going to post a, a photo of a colourful pastel house in Notting Hill it's going to get more likes than <laughs> yeah. a, a flat lay that, it, that I've spent half an hour styling and a few hours cooking the dishes mm. before that and it's just it is what it is it's as I said I think Instagram has created um, very def a few defined aesthetics mm. and and now we all like them I, you not even consciously realize but mm. you see a pastel house you like it as vintage true. car parked outside yeah. a, a pretty house and you just automatically give a like I remember you saying to me once actually like your eye is trained to like certain people's pictures in yeah. your feed and you're yeah. and after you said that I noticed myself doing it there would be a few there would be a few people who I always just like, 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 like. Yeah, because I, sc I scroll like. my feed so quickly that I, I just mm. double tap the, the picture. It's just, I'm not really engaging with the content. No, I'm just double, yeah. you know, just liking. And likewise, you know, other people would, would do that with my content unless they stop for a few seconds to leave a comment, a real comment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And that's when I when I know that my photo has meant something for for them. Um, but or the caption, I suppose it's a combination of the two, isn't it? Really, it is. Yeah, and I've I've for me the captions are really important. Mm. And sometimes I've I stare at, at a at a photo for half an hour trying to come up with a caption, <laughs> and uh, my husband, oh, I'm like, Tanya, you should have written this photo, <laughs> and and he's just like, just. Just say what it is. Just say the, you know, the name of the dish or, or pink door. I'm like, that's boring. Um, so I'm always trying to come up with um, something about myself or sharing mm. what I'm feeling yeah. at that moment. Um, 
so it's nice when I do that it's nice if someone actually acknowledges the fact that yeah. I poured my heart <laughs> out into that caption um, but I love it there are, there are some Instagrammers I follow who are really witty and have got an incredible sense of humor and just mm. crack me up with their, with their captions they are often unrelated to the to the photo they have yeah. beautiful pictures but then their caption is just um, so funny and I think that's that's a, a big element of their success as Instagrammers. Is a lot of Instagrammers today overlook the caption element; mm. they just focus on the pictures. Yeah. Um, but especially if you want to work as an Instagrammer, I think it's important to develop the the writing side because brands also look at the at the right tone of voice yeah. and your. Um, storytelling and, and really what what you say about you and about the world and about yeah your life that it's important for, for other people to, to connect to that and brands look for that I hope yeah I, <laughs> I hope they don't just look so, at numbers yeah. and I think it's changing as well now actually I think only this week have you seen the update um, to Instagram it's like a the branded influence. content yeah the branded content thing. I haven't seen it we, we were talking about it with someone this morning actually. I think it looks pretty good I haven't seen it yet I'd have to check it out basically it's just yeah I mean I don't know when this episode will come out but we'll probably all be using it really <laughs> <Yeah>. nearly <laughs> but for sure if, if yeah. anything that comes out we have to get on it and learn it it was the same with Instagram stories I was so not ready to switch from Snapchat but I had to (laughs) I had to and I really I really enjoy it now because I use it a bit differently than than how I used Snapchat I think the beauty of Snapchat was that I didn't have any followers there (laughs) and it was just so it's the freedom yeah Yeah. the freedom Mm. to just talk on camera with no makeup on <laughs> at home wearing whatever clothes and, and and just talking about my day or something that happened to me yeah and those 50 maybe 70 people that followed me on snapchat would really engage with that yeah um, and I I love that and also it I love following on snapchat people that I had been following on Instagram for many years and on Instagram they always came across as you know some some kind of person maybe yeah. really you know like fashiony and super styly person and on Snapchat they would be like completely down to earth and really funny and so I loved that about Snapchat but I had to when Instagram stories came out I tried to have both and it's it was impossible too much work so naturally I had to focus on on Instagram stories because brands also demanded because I have so many more followers on Instagram it just made more sense to focus my efforts on a platform where I have more views and more followers and I and I do enjoy it but is that something you offer as well to brands as part of kind of the whole package yeah I think but I think brands now would ask it yeah. anyway. But I always offer it, especially when I go 
on a press trip and mm -hmm. I, I travel a lot uh, both uh, by myself or with my husband mm -hmm. and um, on a press trip with other journalists and bloggers and I always do Instagram stories because it just gives it just gives so much more to the viewer than, mm -hmm. than just an Instagram post because even when I'm on a trip I, I would maybe post on Instagram once or twice at the most in one day uh -huh. So over a trip of, for a trip of three days, I would post maybe five Instagram photos, and even though they they definitely the the posts tell a lot about the destination, about my experience traveling there. On stories, you get all the fun bits, all the yeah. in betweens the know, walking <laughs> yeah the walking from one place to the other the being on the bus being on the train or um meeting uh, meeting someone locally because i do a lot of food trips so yeah. I, I meet uh, food producers and and also i'm very strict with my instagram some if 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 i go somewhere in the evening i know i wouldn't be able to take yeah. pictures i i only take photos in daylight and if if I go to a restaurant that is amazing, but it doesn't really fit my my feed or yeah. like my Instagram aesthetic, um, I can't. I, I wouldn't be able to to post a photo on my Instagram, which is a shame because sometimes the place is great, the food is great, and, but it's just I can't Instagram everything, and also sometimes the the light, the colors are just not good enough to take a good picture. So Instagram gives gives me the the um, opportunity to still feature these places and and people, but that's a good tip. If something doesn't fit your aesthetic, or whatever, um, like I was at Notting Hill Carnival at the weekend, and I just knew, and even Wilderness, I just knew everything was too green. <laughs> so <laughs> none of this is going to fit my aesthetic. So I just shared it all on stories. Yeah, which is fine. Yeah, I struggle taking Instagrams at festivals because even if I take a, a really good photo of like the landscape, the, the festival venue, the the tents or whatever, it just doesn't go in my in my feed mm. because my feed is cityscape or flat lays so <laughs> of food, and yeah. you can't you just can't get that um, in a festival. So. <laughs> yeah, I've been to wilderness as well. I wasn't able of to really were, post yeah. <laughs> anything. Yeah, it was a bit too messy for that. But I, but I'm also I am very strict mm. with my Instagram, and I try to post really only only the the best the photos that I'm hundred percent convinced of. And yeah. I've got to the point where I just I would I go to an event or to a, to a restaurant, whatever, and. I take loads of photos and then I need even a day or two <laughs> to look at them and pick pick the one that fits my feed and think in my mind when to post it as well. I'm not I never got around to use uh, one of those like plan planally or planally, yeah, one okay, of those so, uh, yeah. apps that are great to schedule well, to curate your Instagram They're feed. They're amazing, yeah. They are, they are great apps, but I'm just... I don't know, it's, it's like... You do extra... it more instantly, though, actually, yeah. don't you? Yeah, I try... 
maybe with, with maybe I have one day delay yeah. on post, but never more than that. Wow. I think because I'm so busy, if I had to post now uh, over for our restaurant went to last week I just I wouldn't have time today because today I've been to another restaurant I need to go somewhere yeah, else yeah, yeah. and in a few days I'll go I'll travel so then I'll, I know I'll have that content from my trip and then I'll travel somewhere else and I have Sweet. the content from the other trip I just I can't have a backlog of yeah. Instagram posts basically yeah, I, I already have that. a black backlog of it's like posts. having a to-do list another to-do list really yeah I find it super helpful for me because yeah it works for me but um, how, so when you're doing it kind of on the hoof, as it were, do you you literally just know your aesthetic so much that you just know if it's going to fit in? Or yes, I think even before I take the picture, I look around me for for the perfect shot. Yeah. So, and it's a shame in a way that that we are. And a lot of Instagrammers do it. We are so trained on the kind of photo we want, and we end up always taking the same style of photos mm-hmm. rather than being creative and taking something yeah. completely different. You know, like breaking your Break your feed. <laughs> yeah, um, but we don't because we know that if we do, we won't get any lights. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard. You have to have kind of a mix of the two, but it's difficult to have a mix of the two because if you have that one picture where you've gone all out you're like oh you have to do it slowly (laughs) and you have to be constant so my my tip would be if if you're trying to change the niche of your Instagram feed or change yeah your your content Mm. do it slowly slowly introduce different kind of images because I had this issue when I started implementing more travel content uh, into my yes. Instagram feed because at the beginning my Instagram was really instant I would just post photos of food and coffee because I'm obsessed with coffee yeah. <laughs> um, and I and I love uh, discovering trying new uh, specialty coffee shops so I would always take a photo of a like order a coffee and take a photo and post it within a few minutes and I I always edit my photos but pretty much instantly I would post it on Instagram and then when I started traveling more and more after I um, started doing this as a freelancer um, I had to implement that travel content and at the beginning my travel photos didn't get the same um, engagement because everyone wanted photos of donuts and photos oh, of yeah, coffee, coffee yeah. um, and I remember joking that like after after a few days of posting travel photos, I was like, I need to go and look a donut, <laughs> look for a donut, or look for a cortado, yeah. or like some latte art to put in my feet. I need a coffee photo, and now is almost the opposite. My um, city photos get more lights than my than my flat lace, but I still. I try to keep a, a good balance, so like I would have a flat lay and then maybe a city photo and then maybe a coffee mm. photo and then maybe a flat lay again mm. and, and start with that cycle so that when I look at my grid it's all balanced yeah. color wise and, and composition wise. But it's it's definitely doable to switch from one sort of niche if you only do fashion implement a bit of food or a bit of travel or you know. 
I feel like the travel side is one that almost well, what bloggers when they get bigger often end up incorporating travel because that's one of the things that whatever niche you do, everyone can travel and normally you yeah. End- but if you have if you have a really like if you have a feed that that it's only and it's the same for a blog. So we're mm. talking really about Instagram, but it would be the same if you mm. have a blog and yeah. if you've, let's point. say you have um, a platform that it's really just about fashion and you want to start doing travel guides I'm not sure your audience will immediately connect to it unless you put a lot of photos of you wearing different outfits in front of the Colosseum in Rome and then you wrote about your trip to Rome but you still have to link it to to the um, maybe the personal style um, content or the fashion content and that's a way to, to then int- introduce the travel into a fashion blog, for yeah. example. And then maybe over time, over months, you can get away, if you if you do want to get away from the fashion, for yeah. example, niche and just focus on, on the travel, then you can slowly work more on the travel and incorporate less of the outfits, for example. That's a really good practical tip as well for kind of trans it's like a transition more than like a complete switch up of your niche. Yeah, and also it's about creating different audiences mm. because I'm I'm convinced that my even on my blog I have different audiences. That I've got people that only come for the recipes and other people only come for the travel guides and others only come for the restaurant reviews mm. because um, obviously, if the restaurant reviews, if are if if there are restaurants in London, my readers from abroad might not be as interested right. in reading them, but they might be more interested in my recipes or in my travel guides. Yeah. So, I think even though even if you start a blog, even if yeah, even if you start blogging in a very specific niche, you can always expand. If you are successful in that niche and you love writing about that topic, then it's great because you can have a really engaged audience and you could be the best source, um, yeah, the best source of comment on that Mm. particular topic. Be the expert. Yeah, Yeah. which is which is great if you have a niche you're passionate about. Um, but likewise if you want to write about different things like in my case I really love making recipes Mm -hmm. and I love sharing recipes but I also love uh, writing restaurant reviews and I love traveling and writing Mm -hmm. about destinations so you can do all of it and it's just about introducing your content slowly so that you grow different audiences within your your main blog audience and your audience kind of grows with you a little bit as well. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I found that in the past six months, maybe. Oh, bless you. Uh, probably since I've been working harder on my Instagram, actually, it's kind of gone hand in hand with my blog. And people have dropped off and I've lost traffic, but I've grown email subscribers because I think. I'm almost niching in a little bit more on the audience that I want, which is something that Monica Stott talks about in episode three of the podcast, but also um, in her blogger course and on her blog as well. Um, your niche can be your audience, and it can be lots of audiences, really, or lots of lots of kind of subsections, really. Um, so, one thing I wanted to ask you about was 
food styling specifically or photo styling really which you're doing a lot more teaching um like workshops and stuff so one of the this is a bit of a backwards way of asking you about creating for good basically because so for people that don't know what creating for good is anybody who's heavily into instagram will definitely know but people that don't could you explain a little bit about it please yes um creating for good is a community of instagrammers uh, i think we're all based in london at least the, the core members of creating for good and it's a basically a group of people who get together to organize events to find fundraise money for charities mm. and that's the bottom line and we all happen to also be Instagrammers we actually all met through Instagram and it was a friend of mine Joe Yi at Candidates by Joe who got us together they she sent an email around saying I've got an idea I want to do something to raise money and give back to charities are you interested in doing something together and um, we all responded yes and we got together and within a day we had start we, we decided to start creating for good and within a month we we had our first event and within three months crazily we we had our first full day conference which was um hard to organize but it was a great it success amazing it was obviously like heavily publicized on instagram <laughs> but yeah. candidates by joe and her cinemagraphs yeah oh my god um, yeah so joe does um she became obsessed with cinemagraphs which mm -hmm. are like um their photographs well their videos were only one one element of the video is moving yeah. everything else is still um and she's she's amazing because she's such a great stylist she um, she sets up the, the most beautiful moody um, scenes and anyway she started sharing more and more cinemagraphs and she started the hashtag cinemagraph Sundays where she shares one every every week yeah. and um, so she did teach a workshop at our full day conference on cinemagraphs and I was teaching a food photography mm -hmm. and um, styling workshop together with Sharka <coughs> at Sharka Babica um, and then we had uh, other Instagrammers that are part of Creating for Good were there to either teach workshops or talk at a panel discussion um, moderate discussion organize the event to run photo walks and basically the the idea was to have a full day gathering in London and um, everything for the event was donated. Mm. So we all donated our skills, our time teaching the workshops. Uh, Dani of the Social Kitchen donated the food and she, she prepared the most delicious breakfast and lunch. Um, we had other brands donating wine and cheese and snacks and food and coffee and tea. I can't I'm sure I'm forgetting someone, but basically <laughs> we organized this great event and we raised, um, I think with, with the workshop, we raised five, six thousand pounds, uh, but all together with Creating for Good, we've now raised 
over 11,000 pounds. Wow. And we only started at the end of January. We only organized two events, really, and then um, at We Love to Branch, they've done charity branches as well. But um, what, what I love about Creating for Good, aside from the fact that we are... We are using our skills to do something good. Mm-hmm. It's not just a almost meaningless sharing mm-hmm. <laughs> sharing of a nice flat lay on, <laughs> on Instagram. Yeah. Um, it's doing something good with that. Mm-hmm. It's sharing. Maybe maybe my skill is taking a, a photo, styling a flat lay and taking a photo of it. But if I can share that skill with other people who want to learn that skill and they them instead of paying me they donate that money to charity yeah. and 100% of the money goes to charity we don't uh, we don't get anything yeah. we, we are 100% volunteer at creating for good so it's for me it's the best feeling because yeah, I literally done something good and yeah. <laughs> it just makes me feel I remember the, the day after the conference we were all on cloud nine is that yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> it was it was the best feeling so we, we're now working on our next event mm. because we had such a great feedback um about the panel discussion that we had as part of the conference mm-hmm. we decided to organize another event that is just a panel discussion yeah. so it's it's obviously a lot cheaper to to attend. I don't know if I'll be able to edit out a nice just farting throughout this. <laughs> Cheeky monkey. Um, okay, I'm going to start again. Yeah. Um, so uh, we decide our next event is a panel discussion and it will take place in London on Tuesday the 19th of September mm-hmm. in the evening and we decided to have a panel discussion because we received great feedback about the panel discussion that we did um, in our conference and and I, and also we chose a topic that is really close to our heart we always talk about this topic when, when whenever we meet um, for the Creating for Good meetings and it's how to how to stay authentic and also grow your audience at the mm. same time. And it basically, it's a, it's a nice title to talk about Instagram bots yeah. <laughs> and Instagram, um, yeah, all those um, apps that you can use to like, f- follow people on your behalf. All the old likes and com- yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Steffi hates them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everyone hates them, but I love it when she talks about them on her story. Yeah, Steffi, at so Steffi Daydreamer, she hates, she hates, um, but I also, I agree with her. Yeah. I also, I also don't like Instagram um, pods. Yeah. Um, oh, you don't like comment pods either? No, there's just something. I'm not part of any anymore, but I used to be part of two. Um, I do, I've never been part of it. I just don't like the idea mm. of basically having someone who is kind of forced to leave a comment yeah because they want you to give a comment back to them yeah um i think it's i think it it's obviously you know whatever each their own but i think when it's horrible to be in one as well is when you end up with because you don't have any control over the pod unless you're the one who starts it and you're like full kind of pod control of who joins it mm. but if someone joins who then posts stuff 
that you don't like you can't really bow out of just that one person exactly. which is I would yeah. hate having to like I think that's when it becomes like. quite difficult and then it becomes yeah it doesn't feel right and I, I understand that the whole algorithm change and mm. drop in engagement it was disheartening and I've been through it but I wouldn't want to you know ask my friends to like my friends mm. I just I understand where it's coming from yeah. and the fact that it's not that your friends don't want to like your photos it's just they don't they get don't them in the street they yeah. don't see it yeah. so this is a way to get your content seen by people who you know they will probably like it yeah because I have so many friends that are real friends in, in real life mm. and they say they never see my Instagram post because Instagram doesn't doesn't show them in yeah. their feeds and and obviously when they do go on my feed then they'll, they'll just like a bunch of photos all at once because they do like my content yeah um, it's just they don't get in their feed so yeah. It would make sense for me to send them a reminder every day. Hey, it feels a bit. You are yeah. my friend. Maybe you would want to like my photo <laughs> today. But really, you, yeah. Who does that? So oh, I don't yeah. know. It's it's. I don't. You know. It mm -hmm. it, it does come into the the topic of um, being authentic. But I think more more than just Instagram bots. I think the idea is. Are we are we authentic in, in the way we portray ourselves on social media? Because, for example, when it comes to food, to food bloggers, you have all these bloggers and Instagrammers who take loads of photos of um, junk food or like really like filthy food, like oh, yeah. burgers and ice creams and donuts, and every day it's just those kind of photos. Are, do they really eat that food? Have you seen that account? Bitch, please, did you... It's, it's something like, oh, bitch, no. please, did she eat that? And it, it's stuff like that, you know, like a... Well, I need to, I need to check it out. I'll find it and I'll send it, it to you. It was the same really when, when Sofality Barbie came came out a few years yes, ago. Do you yes, remember yes. that? And it was, like, taking um, the piece about Instagrammers who did, like, perfect flat lays and yeah. breakfast in bed with, you know, the perfectly laid out breakfast. And, and I... We are all a little bit victims to that we all do sure, it a little yeah. bit but I definitely did. It's, it's taking it to the extreme of ordering food that you don't want to eat just mm. for the sake of an Instagram that drives me mad mm. but or or when you take a photo for a for a brand um so there's it's an Instagram with branded content with a product in it the, the captions like it's so hard to get a caption that it's really your tone of voice because yeah. you have to then send it to the client to the PR to the client they'll, they'll read it they'll want to change something and eventually it ends up being something that you would have never written the photo yeah. itself maybe not exactly what you would have taken but you had to because your your client brief gave you directions on how to take the picture so yeah. when do you stop being authentic when do you start being just an advertiser really. it's hard isn't it because it's when it's your job exactly like so when you go to an office if you're an accountant you don't go in in the clothes that you wore at the weekend or stinking of alcohol because you're hungover <laughs> I don't know do you know what I mean like, yeah no but we, yeah it's hard though isn't it because where do you draw the line yeah yeah because you want to have the content that it's really about yourself and your experience mm. but also more curated content that you've created for a brand and yeah. it has to be um, 
has yeah, to, like to fit their, their, their brand identity yeah. but also fit into your brand identity yeah. um, there's one one there's um, a blog post that Sarah Tasker at me and Orla wrote recently about yes. I think 10 tips on how to Right sponsored content that doesn't yeah. feel gross. It's brilliant, that isn't every it? Every single yeah. If you if you work with brands, just go and read that yeah. post by Sarah Tasker because every single tip she gives, it's so spot on. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, and she even that post made me realize things that I had not thought about it. And I've worked with brands for many years now, but it just made me it, something switched. Mm. In, in my mind when I was reading that post and I'm much I'm more aware of some things like for example our job as influencer is not to sell a product it's mm. to make your audience aware of that product so the fact that that product exists mm. and that I like it and then they might like it as well but I'm not a, I'm not a salesperson I'm not driving sales yeah. there are other marketing tools to, to actually increase sales of a product um, so I think if if you keep that in mind, it, it will change the way you create content and write captions. Because our job is not to write a caption or a call to action that will make people go out and buy the item. That's a really really good distinction as well because it. I that's the, one of the points that I found was a light bulb for me because. And it felt freeing because I suddenly felt yeah. like, oh, I don't have that responsibility to sell this product yeah. on your behalf. You've simply paid me or given me the free product because you want access to my audience. And that is exactly. that's where the transaction ends. Exactly. The I think captions shouldn't have a call to action to buy a product, to book a holiday. They should just be inspirational they should yeah. make your audience aware of that product yeah. aware of the fact that I love the product and I'm happy to endorse it yeah. that's it yeah um, so anyway we've, we're going to talk about all of these at Creating for Good panel discussion next month so I, I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this podcast will oh, yeah, will definitely. find this topic very interesting how would people how do people buy tickets um, so the to book a spot to come mm-hmm. to our event you can go to our website creatingforgood.co.uk there's um, a page within the website called CFG panel discussions mm-hmm. and on that page you can find the event flyers the um, description of the events and all the panelists that will be speaking at the mm-hmm. event and also link to book your ticket you can also find the link directly on my Instagram <laughs> bio uh, my Instagram profile uh, but we we don't get any money so instead of paying us to reserve the ticket mm-hmm. we ask people to make a donation of £20 to Just Bread London right. which is the charity that we've chosen to support with this event so all you need to do is make the donation to the on the just giving page of just bread and send us a, a receipt. Ah, that's a good way of doing it. Oh sorry, might have to stop for a moment. Oh, you're a little monkey, aren't you? She's been awake for at least half an hour, so she must get back yeah. to bed now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's quite hot in here, but I don't want to open it just in case because the noise will be too much. 
A little pickle. Maybe a little pickle. It's going to change her nappy. So we were just talking about yes. how to book the ticket. Yeah. I'll link to everything in the show notes, um, like all the handles and websites and everything we've talked about. Yeah. What section were we on? Were you in the middle of a sentence? When no, she I was just finishing about like make, making the donation to just giving and things like that. Okay, perfect. Um trying to think do you want me to, to give more like food styling tips something more practical about photography yes, or got two more more questions that I wanted to ask you on that or and how to work with brands how to yeah get to travel I don't know yeah I've got two yeah two more questions both kind of practically tips so going back to your to how I originally started this question which was about food photography and styling so when we meet for coffee I always try and (laughs) steal tips and a tip that you gave me when we were at that do you remember the place that had no natural light but actually it did have natural light we just didn't see it 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 had had lights coming from the side but also had annoying yellow spotlights on the on the ceiling right on top of the table they were low as well weren't they yeah yeah they would like hit your head when you stand up though it would have been fine if they had switched off the spotlights yeah because it was there was plenty of daylight coming anyway that's true um I hate spotlights. Yeah. Especially when they're yellow and they just reflect on the table. They were really warm, weren't they? Really like yeah. almost orange. But that's over. that's an easy tip, uh, easy thing to look out when you're taking photos of um, in a restaurant of, of your food, of your dish, because not many people notice it. 
that there is actually a spotlight on top of your head and that spotlight is reflecting on the table mm. and sometimes it will just create like a orangey glow over the dish over the food if, if it's a food that has like a surface that reflects maybe like a gravy or something or even just a spoon yeah it will reflect that spotlight yeah and it will look weird in the picture um so one thing i do um it's hard to do by yourself but if you have a friend or or an instagram husband you can ask for help <laughs> is to hold a menu a paper menu literally on top of your head yeah. underneath the spotlight Blocking and that's it, it and that's it you've blocked bearing like obviously assuming that you are taking it for a during the day and yeah. you're not too far from a window then yeah. you should have enough natural light to take that picture without any artificial light and you don't take pictures at all at night do you you don't use um for my blog yes but i would uh, i only um take photos with my dslr camera Uh for my blog right and for my instagram i only take photos with my iphone right okay i never mix the two um it's something i realized years ago oh my god (laughs) (laughs) you keep talking (laughs) (laughs) Um, for my blog I always take photos with my DSLR camera and for my Instagram I always take photos with my iPhone and it's something I've been doing since since the beginning and when I tried at one point to to implement my DSLR photos into my Instagram it just didn't work because yeah. it didn't fit in my my in my profile oh, in my feed. Yeah. Uh, because my style of photography uh, it's very defined in, in both ways for for the Instagram and for the blog. So on the blog, I take a lot of uh, photos shot at a um, uh, oh, wait. Let me start again. <laughs> She's distracting. <laughs> Uh, it's hard to start again. Ask me something. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, with my camera, I take photos that um, have um, low um, low f stops. So I always um, photograph at f one point four or f one point eight. So, so you get that shallow depth of field, depth of field right, okay. where the background is really blurred yeah. and the object in focus. It's like there's one tiny object in focus usually the dish or yeah. the cup of coffee or whatever and um and the rest is blurred and i really like that and it works really well for pictures taken in the evening mm-hmm. um because you have all the lights maybe like the street lights or, yeah. or even if you are in a restaurant the bottles behind the bar create those blurred bo- uh, dots yeah and i like that effect and it works great on a blog especially if you're looking at the picture quite sort of um, enlarged yeah but it doesn't it wouldn't work on my feed. So if you have an Instagram feed that is just that kind yeah. of picture, it's great. But to mix and match photos taken with the phone that have a wide angle lens and where every element is in focus to yeah. then take a you know um, close up of a food where the background is all blurred, it just doesn't. Your audience wouldn't engage 
that's quite with that style, because it's yeah, yeah the styles are too different so I didn't even really think about that but, so yeah. because I only take photos for my Instagram with the phone I just can't take photos yeah. in the evening yeah. or at night or in a restaurant that is too dark it just the the phone is not able to take that so what do you do if for example because some of the people probably listening to the podcast um, might have their first hotel review or restaurant review what would you what are your top tips especially with restaurants before you go there do you scope it out do you ask for a table with natural light yes so I would first of all when I get invited to a restaurant I would look it up online Mm -hmm. and get an idea of the space whether it has First of all, whether if it's if it's the kind of restaurant I would want to mm. go and eat and pay for my food. Sometimes restaurants are really they might be they're, they're just not my style. Yeah. Maybe they are too elegant or they're not too stuffy. Or, yeah, yeah, or or just I don't like the furniture. Yeah. <laughs> as simple as that. Um, but that's important, isn't it? So, because if you're going to have to take pictures. Yeah, but also because. I wouldn't go back there as a, as a paying customer if it's not an, an atmosphere that makes me feel comfortable. Yeah. So so I, I I look it up first and I decide whether or not I want to try that particular restaurant. And obviously I always look at reviews and mm-hmm. I read the menu. That the first the first thing would, would be to make sure that I love the food, but but I also check out the space. And then when I when I'm there, I would always book to go either for breakfast or lunch or if it's dinner it would have to be like in summer (laughs) early evening not in winter for sure and always ask for a table by the window and then the other thing I do as soon as I step into the restaurant I look around at the table so sometimes it happen on Sunday actually I do I do this thing which is a a brunch meetup yeah with a few instagram friends um and it's called the um it's called the ig brunch club and we meet once a month and we just have brunch together and chat which is fun um so i did one on sunday and as soon as i step into the restaurant we i saw that they had reserved for us a beautiful table by the window um, and it was the best spot in the restaurant, but it was a wooden table. And next to it, there was a marble table that was more yeah. inside the the room, further away from the window, but it was a much nicer surface. <laughs> so I asked my friends who also have Instagram accounts, I was like, do you, do you want the marble? <laughs> they were like, yes, yes. So we, we moved to the, to the marble. And even though it was yeah it was a bit darker there was less natural light but it still worked out better yeah. than the wooden table so I I always look at the surface and sometimes if I did last week mm-hmm. as well at another restaurant uh, me and my friend Shark ended up taking photos of our breakfast on the floor <laughs> because the table just just wouldn't work we tried we switched to different tables we yeah. went to the back of the restaurant we went at the front it just wasn't working and like half an hour later we were <laughs> with our eggs benedict <laughs> on the floor because they have this con- the most of the floor was um wood but then they had a little bit of the floor just as you entered the restaurant that was concrete it wasn't really paved and it was great so it was near the window but also i had that industrial feel so funny um 
the yeah the waiters were a bit um, confused by all of that it <laughs> took to us half an hour to eat our eggs which were obviously very cold by then but. yeah I can imagine um, and so yeah so try my tip would be to sort of have a look around the space and and choose the have a have a think of how you want your photo to to be styled before the food comes so that you can minimize the the delay when when the food is there so literally just i i start moving around things in the table before the food has even arrived so that when the food arrives i don't have to spend too much time moving items around i just need to put the dish and take the photo Especially if you're going to a restaurant with friends, you don't want everyone to have to wait for you to be able to eat. Hopefully, you'll be quiet. Sorry. You're such a little monkey. This would be fun to edit. Hi. Now you're silent. Hi. No one is talking now. Um, the other question I wanted to ask you was about working with brands because you work with some amazing amazing brands um, like uh, Nespresso and those are people you I can't to, even remember I know <laughs> I'm suddenly like uh, I, work with, well, work with I work with I work with a lot of Italian brands mm. uh, because I'm Italian and when it comes to food I try to support Italian brands uh-huh. it, it obviously is a natural fit because a lot of the food I cook at home is Italian or yeah. Italian inspired the recipes from my mother and my grandmother so if I get approached by an Italian brand, whether it's I don't know Grana Padano cheese or some Pellegrino water or Peroni beer or Oh Peroni, yes. Um, yeah, loads. I've worked with a lot of brands, food brands over the years, but I particularly try to, to support Italian products, especially when they are um, is it PDO the um, when when a product is like a registered mark, like the um, like the trademark, yeah, like like Grana Padano, you can only call it Grana Padano if if it's cheese made by uh, the consortium. <laughs> it's like a consortium. Yeah, yeah I think so it's I, I think I or DPO. I always get confused I between the Italian. DPA. Okay, because I think it's PDO in Italian, DPO in English. That makes sense. But <laughs> it's like a protected orangey. Yeah, yes, okay, so that makes sense because protected origin. I think. On, I'm I'm thinking of the Pizza Express menu, and they have a maybe the mozzarella. D O P. Yeah, D O P. D O P. Oh, we got there. Yes. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm just thinking of one of the pizzas, and it says D O P, and I was always like, "What does D O P mean?" Yeah, yeah, and you like, have that. You have that for for certain um, types of cheese and wine and. Even uh, balsamic vinegar from modern, I think. It's, uh-huh. I mean, all these products that have a very specific origin, whether it's it's a city, uh, like obviously uh, Grana Padano um, comes from cows <laughs> that are from a certain area of Italy, yeah. and you can only or you can only call maybe buffalo mozzarella if it comes from uh, certain buffaloes in Campania or yeah, something like that. that. Makes sense. Um, 
so by supporting those products, you're supporting the region and really the yeah the region that produces them. Um, so I'm always happy to to do that when it comes to mm. to Italy because because it's my country. So yeah. I want to promote the good things of my country. Yeah. But how did how did that all start? And She's learnt this this week. This is her new, the new beautiful sound that she makes. It sounds so good, but I wish we could put you in another room. Hmm. I'm just gonna wait and see if she stops. <laughs> Hi. Oh, she's tired again. Can I give her to you? And if you sit with her facing mm -hmm. me, she might get distracted because she's looking at you. Yeah. And also, she won't get cross because she won't be able to smell my milk. Thank you. Hi. Hello. <laughs> That's oh, right. She's smiling like mad. Brilliant. Okay, so perfect. So I wanted to ask you about working with brands. Um, so how did it all start? Like, did they approach you? Did you get to a certain number and start pitching people? I've never pitched anyone. The only time I pitch someone, it's um, when I'm going somewhere on a trip. Yeah. And... I want to stay in a certain hotel because um, I want to work with that brand or, or because I worked with them before and I know it's it's the right hotel for me. And, and that's when I reach out to people. But otherwise, I've luckily, I've always been so busy that mm -hmm. I never had time to, to to pitch for more work, even though it's it's not really an excuse because... Even if you're busy with work, you should always be looking for better work or better yeah, work that is a better so. fit for you. But, um, but mostly, I just I do interact with brands on Twitter and Instagram, mm -hmm. but mainly Twitter. I find for me, it's always been a better platform to have conversations, mm -hmm. whether it's with other bloggers or with other people who love food or love travel or with brands so I think it's much easier if you to, to follow brands on Twitter and interact with the content that they share and if you are able to start a conversation with them then you can take it to a private message and say hey do you have a uh, do you have an email I can reach out to I've got yeah. something I'd like to talk you, to you about Yeah, and if it's if it's a brand like, I don't know, Grana Padano or, or Peroni Beer, then you can you can establish the relationship on Twitter and then continue it over email afterwards. The thing is, a lot of these brands would have a PR agency that manages their campaigns. Yeah. So engaging with the brand itself, with, this, with the social media manager for that brand, it might not be enough to then be asked to work on a campaign because the PR agency might be 
Yeah, they might it have might their be own someone ideas who d- or whatever. It might just be that the PR agency doesn't manage their their social media, so the oh, PR a- agency yeah. doesn't know you. Yeah, and you're not in their database, so it's always worth really trying to meet as many PRs as possible and create the relationship with PR agencies, but in your in your field. So, <laughs> if you want something to say, so um, I try to to reach out to PR agencies in food and travel and build that relationship because then when they do have a campaign that they think it's a good fit yeah. they will ask me to be a part of it that's a really good tip to use twitter i love twitter personally but i know yeah. some people like they just don't get on with it but it's actually just a really it powerful it doesn't work way. until you have the right audience it's have always i've always said that you need to create your community you need to follow the people who will tweet about the things you're interested in yeah that's true and then it becomes fun a lot of fun I love it it's great and you can mute people (laughs) I love that you can mute people it's brilliant I wish I could mute people on Instagram I know well I I think who is this is on Twitter Freya Dowson had had tweeted about wanting to like the etiquette of unfollowing people on Instagram who you're just sick of or whatever and I was like it's such a shame because you can mute people obviously on stories Um, but yeah I don't I don't know what the answer is basically I'm lucky I think now that I my eye has stopped automatically liking the pictures because they're just my friends and then I don't see their pictures anymore I've uh, (laughs) the benefit of the algorithm I'm quite ruthless when it comes to unfollowing people um, I think last year, a few months ago, I went on a unfollowing spree on Twitter, and I went down from I don't know, five thousand following to six hundred. Wow! It was just it was a lot of accounts that were not tweeting anymore, and mm. or or a lot of restaurants, and I don't know, a lot of um, even like online magazines, and yeah, 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 agencies that were not sharing the kind of content I'm interested. In. And, and if I'm going to use that tool effectively, I need to be following people that tweet about things I want to know about. Yeah, Otherwise, I'm, I'm, they're not benefiting from me following them. Yeah, that's a good point. And I'm it's not benefiting from following them. So, um, so, but yeah, I, I think definitely create, create a, a network of, um, of PR agencies and not just, um, not just try to meet them in person. Mm. It just makes such a big difference when, when, when you've met a PR in person and you introduce yourself. Because I've worked with PRs. Like, I had worked with them. They sent me on a press trip or they, you know, we did a campaign together. And then I met them in person and we got to chat about my blog. And, and then I realized that they basically didn't know anything about my mm. blog. Mm. <laughs> I had not, like, to the point that maybe they didn't even know I'm Italian and I do recipes. Like, yeah. things that are quite obvious from spending five minutes on my blog. Mm. Um, and it just made me realize that it's a shame because maybe they, they had campaigns they would have had that would have been a good fit for me, but they just didn't even realize. And it's not it's not necessarily the, their fault they, they can't they don't have the time to yeah. to research all the blogs that are out there so but you're right it does make a difference when you meet somebody in person and 
Something that oh, something that Jen said in the first episode of this podcast was about the fact that, especially with press trips, the PR that's organising the press trip and who's going to be on the press trip is not going to want to go on it with someone who they actively dislike. Oh, absolutely. So meet up with the PR absolutely. and be nice in an authentic way. Don't suck up to them. But yeah, also because they would probably understand that you're just faking it. That's a good point, actually. You need to... Yeah, and I, I think it's it's important to to establish a connection. And, and if you are going on a press trip with a PR, the, the, basically the, the PR is you, sometimes is the only element of the press trip that you know. Mm, because yeah. you, you might not know all the other guests, all the other journalists and bloggers. So at least if you know the PR is someone you respect and yeah. get along with you know the trip is not going to be bad yeah. like it's gonna you have at least an element someone you can rely on that's a yeah that's a really good um, I, I don't like when press trips don't have a PR no I don't it's quite I stressful have, if something goes I wrong I think it's, it's such a it's short sighted because I think the client is trying to save money mm. uh, by having one less person to <laughs> pay uh, yeah, to pay the, okay. the, the flights and hotels and, and everything for but so many things can go wrong mm-hmm. and the risk of leaving bloggers and journalists by themselves without yeah. without someone to take them around and take care of things absolutely I mean, the risk is huge you could like, basically you could miss your own investment yeah completely just because you're trying to be to save save money on yeah. one one ticket which in the great scheme of things yeah, exactly. is nothing you, 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 five yeah. pieces of content exactly all, you know, I've been on trips where, where I was either completely by myself mm-hmm. or with other bloggers but again like, no PR and sometimes you get to restaurants that are not expecting you mm. or something <laughs> goes wrong like you miss a, you miss a train or some place that should be open it's closed like, anything can happen and you need to have a PR there to manage the situation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think going back to your question, the the way to get work is to create, start creating the content that you want to create for free. Like you just yeah. do if you want to do recipes, if, start doing those recipes for yourself and do the best possible quality of content that you can and then when you have a body of work that you're proud of then you can reach out to brands and say this is put together a great media kit and reach out to brands and say this is what I've done this is my experience I have an engaged audience on Instagram on my blog this is the kind of work that I do and I think it would be a good fit with your brand and, and, and then go from there because also I think a lot of um, agencies PRs that work on campaigns they they will appreciate having been introduced to new people they, they I'm sure on their side they're always looking for people to invite to their events or people to, to yeah. ask to work on some content yeah absolutely your help like if you can help people do their job Exactly. It's, it, you're going to get ahead. Absolutely. Um, so it's all about how you, you, you present yourself, obviously. You, you, it's, a, it's, a, 
not easy to write a pitch and and not come across and sort of showing off yourself or it feels it feels but not undermining yourself either it's 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 not easy sometimes I've I've had um I've had an experience a few months ago where I was looking for a hotel in a in a destination and I just I sent a few emails to hotels that I really wanted to stay at and I and I would say one send one and then wait for a response and then get nothing for days and then send another one um and so on and, and it just got really depressing because either I wasn't getting any response or I was getting responses of like are we already working with, with influencers that fit our audience like being uh, yeah. a bit sniffy yeah mm-hmm. and they made me feel like I was asking for free stuff which uh, in yeah. fairness I was but but in trade for something that would be valuable but for yeah them. it's yeah. because I it was a brand that I wanted to work with and I really wanted to create go there and create the content to share on my audience because I thought if I love that brand that that hotel I want my audience I, I'm sure my audience will engage with that mm. so it wasn't you know it wasn't just about like asking someone for free stuff it was about you know hey do you want to work together I think I create good content and you might be interested sometimes you get either you don't get a response or you get a response that make you feel like yeah you're asking for free stuff you have to just push it off though (laughs) don't you and just move on to the next person because yeah I hate that feeling when you feel like you're just a a blagger yeah Uh, but it's part it's part of our job and there are so many people who, who who are in this industry just for the free stuff yes. and not really for, for a passion or for, yeah, for, not for the passion of creating good content. So I understand that people on the other side who are, get asked every day to give something for free, they, they are fed up. Yeah. <laughs> and if they've had bad experiences in the past. Um, there was, I read the news a few, a few weeks ago of, a, ba- a baker, I think, in maybe in Manchester or Liverpool, who's basically she gets asked to to do free cakes and free, uh, yeah, free cakes to to celebrities and 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 bloggers and influencers, and she she wrote a whole rant on Twitter on on her blog um, because she's obviously fed up to being yeah. asked for free stuff and it's not fair. Especially that, that she's asked for free stuff, things like, well. "Oh, do you want? We need a birthday cake for, I don't know, the for the whole crew of um, a TV show." Mm. And she's like, "Well, okay, that's the price, like a cake for forty people." Mm. Oh no, but you know, we thought you would do it for free as for the exposure. We'll post it on oh, Twitter or something. Like, no, it's my job. Why yeah, would I and it's, right. uh, when I, I get asked to do. Instagram posts for free. Yeah. yeah. Instagram um, exposure on this. Uh, even blog posts like review products, feature yeah. products. I get asked all the time on a daily basis, and it's not it's not fair to ask people for mm. free stuff to do to work for free. Yeah. And I'm very strict about not working for free. Um, mm. But I also think that if you are a small independent. Uh, producer if you are a startup if you are like a small business just starting out then it's fair to ask people that you admire to support your Mm. work and I'm happy to support 
businesses that I like mm. and I'm happy to, to do that for free so um, I don't know if it's a small producer that wants to send me something to try and I won't guarantee that I'll post it they're taking the risk to send me something I yeah. might not like it but if I if I like it then I'm happy to support them maybe on Instagram stories or even Instagram or That's know, Twitter or mention well. on my blog but there's no expectations exactly, that I'm going to yeah. do something. Whereas if I get an email from a big brand saying, we're going to send you a bottle of this or, or a, a bag of crisps. Yeah. I don't know. I've, I don't even like crisps. I always say no to crisps. But they say yes. And then they said, we want, crisps. we want, or even like we invite you to this event and we are expecting two yeah. Instagram posts and this and that. I'm like, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you really like my content want me to create Instagram content for you then we need to work together you need to give me a brief and I need to take the time to, to develop the content and, and I'm sorry but you need to pay yeah absolutely <laughs> I, and I, think I can't do that for free whatever your line is everybody has a different line that they draw but whatever it is then draw it and be consistent with it because um yeah, it's about value and about respect, isn't it? What you consider to be of value to you um, and also about respect. And like you say, if if someone, a small company, wants to take the risk and send you products that you might never speak about or you might even... Oh dear. I might have to wrap it up. I don't know what's wrong with you, Poppet. We'll sit you up. Will you be a little bit quiet while I ask Julia one more thing? <laughs> I just need to ask you where everyone can find you online. Okay. I know, life is very, very hard. basically where can everyone find you online <laughs> because I don't think I can risk asking you anything <laughs> else because she's going to scream over it um, so where can everybody find you online and also where can everyone find Creative for Good online I'll link to everything in the show notes But so my blog um, is at not at sorry <laughs> <laughs> so you people can find me on my blog www.mondomulia.com and also on social media I'm at Mondumulia everywhere except for Twitter which is just at Mulia. Oh yes it um, is yeah. <laughs> that's because yeah Twitter was the th first thing I started a few years before my my blog and, and Mulia is basically a nickname of my name um, and Mondo means world so that's the meaning of my blog that's the world of Mulia. 
and um, and also uh, I Instagram at IG Brunch Club, and I'm also part of Creating for Good, and you can find this at Creating for Good on Instagram and creatingforgood.co.uk is our website and you can also sign up to our newsletter to know about our events thank you very much hopefully we can edit this little one out